Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we are in the book of Acts. I'm not sure what week this is. We're coming up closely, I think, to about halfway through the year. Imagine it's halfway through 2021, getting close anyway. June, I guess, is just around the corner. It's April, but you know, with the way the weather's going, who knows what's going to be next week. <laughs> so um, this week we'll finish out um, the reading in Acts. Um, if you have a Connect magazine, you'll notice that uh, um, the book or the uh, the month of uh, April ends the twenty the thirtieth, and there's one reading that continues in the book of Acts, but you won't get that reading until you get the May connect because May happens to fall on a Saturday, so just kind of the way it works. Um, but this week we're going to be finishing up um, the section of Acts, and uh, next month you'll be reading, I believe, uh, Jesus the Miracle Worker. And we're actually going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to do a study in the book of Joshua. So that's what's on target for the month of May. But we'll finish up this section here um, of Acts, and mainly we're going to be talking about Peter. Um, He's kind of the one that's on the docket for today. And we're going to be starting at Acts chapter 9, verse 32, after Saul's conversion and and pushing all the way to right before Saul and Barnabas uh, and John Mark as well take off on that first missionary journey. So we're going to talk about Peter today. And you know, when we talk about Peter, you know, Peter is the same apostle, albeit different, mm-hmm. I'm sure, um, that we met in the Gospels. Same guy, same um, boldness, same courage, same uh, personality, I think, that sometimes we uh, look at, and maybe we want that, or maybe we'd not want that. You know, he sticks his foot in his mouth, he yeah. gets into precarious situations, and I think we find ourselves... Um, relating to him, because I think we do a lot of the same things. Absolutely. Um, and so the text here in yeah. Acts moves away from Saul. It moves back to Peter. Um, it's already been talking about Peter in Acts chapter 4 and 5 a little bit. Then it moved aside to discuss some other characters, and now we're back to Peter. And so in Acts chapter 9, verse 32, um, the end of chapter 9, there's a couple miracles that take place here. Uh, kind of brief, really short, kind of sweet and to mm-hmm. the point. And uh, as I read through this, I remember this story of uh, uh, Peter helping this woman, this widow uh, named Dorcas or Tabitha. Tabitha. And she was, I think, the first and only uh, female disciple in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's... I'd have to look that up, but I think think I'm speaking correctly. Mm -hmm. If I'm not, I'm sure you'll let me know out there. But (laughs) (laughs) I think she is the first and only uh, female disciple. And she was... Drum roll, she was a widow. And remember that all the way back in Acts chapter 6, where that problem that arose, where they weren't treating widows correctly, well, here's another issue that comes up with this widow. But I think this widow, um, was, uh, she was doing well. It seems like she had her own small business. Mm-hmm. So maybe this we could uh, preach a message on uh, uh, small women's small businesses and we'll go back or something great. like that. Yeah. But well, what do you got to talk about here today about Peter, Bill? What, what 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 kind of things do our readers need to be refreshed on and be reminded of? Well, I think uh, one of the things that I noticed was in the beginning of our readings, we he, he goes it says he had been traveling from place to place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter was on on the move. He was, <laughs> and uh, and he goes down to uh, Lida there, and he meets this guy who'd been uh, crippled for for eight years, Aeneas. Yeah, and, uh, and and he just tells him, he says, you know, the Lord heals you, <laughs> and he tells him, he says, get up. Yeah, 
And I thought that was kind of interesting the way he way he approached that, you know. And of course, the good thing about it was he made sure that he understood it was it was Jesus Christ who who healed him. And I think that's what uh, caused everybody then there to believe in Christ uh, rather than kind of uh, promoting, you know, Peter. And that's really what we should do, you know. We we are promoting Jesus Christ. We're not promoting ourselves. And uh, I think that's kind of something that I gathered from that yeah. was, hey, you know, we don't represent ourselves. We represent Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, of course, then he goes, uh, he goes on down to Joppa, and uh, that's where he, you know, uh, he's called to Joppa because uh, Tapitha or Dorcas has died. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of interesting. It says that they, uh, that they, they bathed her and everything, they washed her, and then they took her up to an upper room upper room yeah and i thought you know normally they just take them out and bury them yeah maybe <laughs> but, for a, maybe for a viewing or something well maybe i think um, that they uh, they had heard about uh, peter being down at lida and I, and they were sending a couple of people down there to get him maybe it's and, so, a, and they told him says you know come yeah. quickly you know and i think they probably had some idea that maybe peter would want to see her uh even Demonstrating a little bit of their faith, and and, and he yeah. he might even be able to do something here. Yeah. I think uh, they couldn't hurt. <laughs> no, I think they had that in mind, and uh, of course it worked. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it worked. Uh, Peter comes and they they all begin to tell him, you know, about all the great things that uh, Tabitha had done. Yeah, uh, the coats and the robes and all the things that she had made him, the clothing yeah. and and you know and and he put them all out and just prayed and then called her by name and. She got up. And that's one thing right. that um, uh, you just mentioned, how Peter makes sure he it, it emphasizes for us in the text and mm-hmm. these two miracles, as well as in the miracle that Peter did back in Acts chapter 3 of the healing of the lame man. Mm-hmm. It's very specific as to he didn't do the healing. It was Jesus that did the healing. Right. In fact, in that passage in Acts uh, chapter 3, after he heals the lame man, um, you know, as he preaches this sermon on the steps of the temple, he makes sure they know uh, we didn't do this, we didn't heal this. Any, right. but they use that healing and even here to show that or to demonstrate that Jesus is still alive. Jesus resurrected from the grave, and it's evident because he is still alive in the world. He's still working. He's still doing miracles. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the, he's doing it through and with the help of the apostles in this case here. Um, but nonetheless. Peter is making sure to say that, listen, I'm not the one that healed it. Jesus is the one. Again, because the resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, that he is the Messiah is that main point of a lot of the miracles and the teaching and the sermons they give. Um, that's that's right. the focus. I mean, that's Absolutely. what they're supposed to be witnesses to, mm-hmm. Jesus' mm-hmm. resurrection. And that's what we're to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, same it's, thing today. it's the same thing. It hasn't yeah. changed at all. And uh, although we're not raising people from the dead or <laughs> healing people, you know, but, but we are well, in a sense healing, yeah. resurrecting people and we are in a sense healing people by teaching Jesus Christ, him crucified, teaching the gospel. And when people come to know Christ as their savior, they are healed from yeah. sin yeah. and they are resurrected to new life. Yeah. So we're doing basically the same thing and it's all through Christ. Right. It's not because of who we are. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And all of your New Testament writers make sure to note that. It's not yeah. by me or by anything I've done. It's all through, I think Paul says, through Christ who works within me. me. Or, um, and so it's very very specific. And 
And, you know, we, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. I mean, that's the point mm-hmm. of uh, what we're doing. So as um, the end of chapter 9 kind of goes into chapter 10, I find it interesting the last verse of chapter 9 kind of clues us into what's going to happen in the next couple of chapters because it says, um, well, mm-hmm. verse 42, it says, The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, yeah. uh, living with Simon, who was mm-hmm. a tanner of hides. Now, if you know anything about um, a tanner, in this case, I guess someone who uh, uses and develops the skin of animals, we might say, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't a profession that a Jewish fella should be hanging around. Yeah, you would think yeah. so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Jewish laws would say, you know, don't even get near a dead animal, let alone touch it, and the tanner is dealing with dead animals all, all the, time. the time. And by the... Um, Later on, it says uh, this tanner is living by the seaside. It's to help with that sea breeze and the smell of the tanner. So it's it's interesting that here's Peter, and he's trying to be a good Jew, uh, but yet he's living with uh, a Gentile and a profession that the Jews wouldn't be anywhere closely associated yeah. with. And it's ironic because what happens in chapter 10 you know, you see mm. Peter doing one thing, yeah. and yet the other yeah, thing doesn't he, make any sense. Because what happens in chapter 10 is then the, the story, it continues with Peter, but it, uh, it fast forward to Cornelius, and Cornelius is a Roman uh, officer here mm. who was seeking after God. He wanted to understand more about God. He yeah. just didn't have yeah. that um, knowledge, or, or he didn't have the missionary to tell them, so to yeah. speak. And so God tells Cornelius that he's going to send Peter. Or he tells Cornelius, "Go and go, go and get yeah. go and get Peter." Yeah. And at the same time, God gives Peter a vision and says, "Peter, mm-hmm. go with these messengers for Cornelius." Mm-hmm. But in in the meantime, Peter has this really strange vision, this strange dream, yeah. and it's this. Well, uh, maybe while he was down there with uh, Simon the Tanner, he had his fishing rod out and he's going fishing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's fishing. Let let, uh, you know, let Simon do his own thing here. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was a cheap place to stay, too. Yeah, <laughs> it I'm probably sure. wasn't an expensive place. Yeah. But one of the things that Peter sees in his vision, he sees uh, uh, this sheet that comes down from like almost like a large sail, but like this sheet that comes down from heaven with all these unclean animals on it. Right. And Peter, being a good Jew, is like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I can't eat any of those unclean animals. They can't eat any of those unclean things. And it says three times the sheet comes down. And, of course, in the in the process here, God speaks to him and and yep. and he says, "But the voice of God spoke. Do not call verse fifteen of chapter ten. Do not call something clean if God has made it clean." It says the same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled from heaven. So he's thinking about this. Peter is thinking mm-hmm. about this yeah. vision. He's not sure what to do about it. He's kind of perplexed. And then right away, then comes the messengers from Cornelius and says, "Hey, Peter, we need you to come with us here." to um, uh, go back to, uh, uh, where were they from? Caesarea. Um, uh, Caesarea, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to go back there. Well, hey, um, and when they come, it, I believe that uh, God even told him that there yeah. was someone waiting. Yeah, and it says, go with them, don't go worry, them. Don't, for I've yeah. sent them. Yeah. yeah, and I think Peter's trying to, uh, you know, we look back at the text and we're like, well, yeah, we get it, we can connect everything here. But Peter, you know, him having this vision of the sheet, he's kind of trying to connect things. He's kind of like, what's going on? He's like, okay, let's just leave that aside of the vision and let's go see what Cornelius and his messengers have for us. Yeah. And he goes and and uh, they, they um, I think they stay a night at, with Peter. With Peter. And then they go and the next the day. The next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, then Cornelius, as they come to Cornelius, Cornelius recounts what God told him to do, what happened and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a whole um, crowd here ready, um, like eager to receive um, Peter. He says in verse 33, So I sent for you at once, Cornelius says to Peter, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. What a, I mean, this is a captive crowd here. You know, did, I, and I wonder, did Cornelius already have these folks there in his home? It seemed yeah. like that he had already had them gathered yeah. anticipating uh, Peter's arrival. So he must have calculated, okay, well, if they go down, it takes this long, and if they stay there and they come back, it's going to take this long. And, and that wasn't a... That wasn't an easy trip. I mean, it, it took some time. And, and, you know, at the beginning of chapter 10, it tells us about Cornelius. He was a Roman officer mm-hmm. uh, who was a captain of the Italian mm-hmm. regiment. I mean, so he probably had a lot of connections of people and military friends and, and uh, right. that he knew that maybe not necessarily his family in general, but he probably had a larger sphere of influence yeah. um, that he brought in. And so you can imagine a crowd, I don't know, maybe of 100 people or so are just there kind of waiting for Peter. And, and Peter's, you know, he arrives, you know. I mean, this, I mean, you think about this. I mean, you know, Peter is listening to God. It's important for us to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. Absolutely. Because he walked Peter right into a crowd ready and waiting, almost with, uh, you know, they were waiting. They were anticipating the message of the gospel waiting for how can we, how, how, and Peter's right there. I mean, yeah. they're you, ready can, to receive it. Can you imagine being called somewhere yourself? Yeah. And you don't know exactly what all's going on. You don't yeah. know why you're being called. And then you get there and you find out, I mean, here is a mass amount of people, and they're telling you, preach. Yeah, that's when <laughs> Are you, you prepared? <laughs> Be instant <laughs> in season and out season. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you have what the preacher used to call your sugar stick sermon. Yeah. Uh, the one that you got prepared that you can preach anywhere. Um, and so, yeah, can you imagine that? I'd be caught off guard. I'd be like, I need five minutes at least. Here. Give me five minutes to think about this first. Um, but I can imagine. And, and so Peter responds and Peter replies and he says this. It's very interesting here at verse 34. He says, then Peter replied, because he's connecting things with this vision he had. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. No favoritism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. He says, this is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And you know what happened. And he began talking about uh, from the baptism of John and God mm-hmm. anointed Jesus yeah. with the Holy Spirit. Um, then Jesus went around doing good, the subject of pastor's sermon, sermon. last yeah. week. So there, it's all connecting for you all out there. Um, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed, for God was with him. And then he talks about, we are apostles, are all witnesses of this. And we know because they put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, who had he chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those yeah. who ate and drank. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all. He is the one the prophets testified about saying, everyone who believes in his name will have their sins forgiven through his name. And that to me is a big, a big point that he makes. He says, he is the one all the prophets testified about. Peter says, all the prophets were talking about Jesus. If that's not a help for us to divinely interpret the Old Testament prophets and what they were looking forward to, we know they were looking forward to and talking about Jesus and his coming kingdom. But here, Peter, 
it, it's in black and white. He yeah. gives it to us. And yeah, then I love what this absolutely. has. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them. There was no yeah. invitation given. There was no, okay, let's make a decision for Jesus. There was none of that. Yeah. It's like immediately as they heard this, they believed automatically. Yeah. And I know pastor said it many times, you know, uh, believers are, 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 uh, or, or, or unbelievers, I should say, become believers before they even walk down the aisle. Mm-hmm. It happens at their Absolutely. seats instantaneously where they accept Christ. And here is such That's a visible... the condition of the heart. Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah, tell. It's these, the condition yeah, of the heart. And they, they, were, they, were wait, they were waiting for this message. They, oh, man. I think Peter could have said anything, and they still would have received Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, all who fell upon him were listening to the message. And, and then it says, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, too. Yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. I thought salvation yeah, was, was for only the for the Jews. And they were amazed, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they heard them doing what the Jewish apostles had done at Pentecost. They said, no, wait a minute, this is happening here too? Yeah. So yeah, this is like a, a Gentile, Gentile Pentecost? Pentecost? Yeah. yeah. Remember we had a Samaritan Pentecost in Acts yeah. chapter 8? Now here's your Gentile Pentecost. Again, yeah. remember these are one-time events. Uh, this is describing what happened. It's not prescribing, prescribing. what happened. Um, but it's interesting that... They were so ready and so prepared. It makes you wonder how many people we come into contact with yeah. that God hasn't already divinely ordained to be in a certain spot, and they're ready. All we have to do is speak and speak. say the word. Yeah. And so many times we're mm. nervous or scared or afraid to actually say something. I mean, you know, here's a great example with Peter. I mean, uh, obviously God oriented everything for him. Um, and he was ready to speak up. I mean, what, did the early, what was the prayer of the early church? It was pray for boldness. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Help us to be more bold in getting the message out. Um, so, I think it's interesting too. You know, Peter he was he was a little concerned. I think when he got there, you know, why? You know, I'm a Jew. You know, you're going into a Gentile house, and yeah, but, but the fact he was already with already uh, staying with Simon the Tanner with Simon. Know, <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder sometimes if we're not that way, you know, True. that we're we're doing certain things and yet we don't realize that what we're doing is really, you know, against what yeah. what we believe. <laughs> and, and, and the, you know, there's a progression here. I think that you know, here he's saying with Simon the Tanner, so he's kind of getting his feet wet in this whole associating mm-hmm. with Gentiles. And then God sends down the sheet that says the Gentile foods, the ones that the Jews would consider are unclean, those are clean now. Yeah. Or not clean, but you can eat those necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's brought to Cornelius where he's got a whole crowd of people ready for him to preach. And so I think Peter's thinking here is slowly, he, he's getting what God's telling him. I mean, God had put him in Simon and Tanner's house. True. And then he has this vision. Okay, has yeah. that got some connection, you know? Yeah. I mean, here he's working with all of these animal hides and everything. Oh, now I'm seeing all these animals come down. Oh, Kind of putting it all Good together, point. you know. And it makes you wonder if he was in a Jewish house, would Cornelius have ever been permitted to come into the house and talk to him? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there as well. But yeah, all those animals. I mean, yeah. he's probably seeing them. He's probably thinking, wait a minute, I'm seeing these things in my dreams. In my yeah, 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 right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all over the house. They're about, the hides are all hanging up yeah. and everywhere. Mm. And of course, after that happens, it says, uh, for they, uh, then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Can, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're obviously believers now. They need baptized to show their profession of faith and says, uh, now, that w- now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. And that's a big deal because mm-hmm. Peter's saying, look, 
baptism comes after the yeah, Holy Spirit yeah, the takes Holy up Spirit. residence in you. It doesn't come before. Uh, again, that's a verse that pushes against that wrong doctrine of you have to be baptized to be, to be saved. saved. Well, in this case, these guys are already have accepted Jesus. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence. Then Peter says, can anyone stop or prevent them from being baptized because they've just received the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And he says, and so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Mm-hmm. So now Cornelius, now Peter is invited to stay with another Gentile. He's been staying with Simon the Tanner, mm-hmm. and now he's like, oh yeah, well, I'll stay a few days with you guys and uh, probably helped yeah. maybe train and teach yeah. a little bit more about the gospel and what it is. Well, they but, needed that. They needed that training. Oh, they definitely. needed to learn more. Yeah, well, um, that's why Cornelius they, was, was yeah. asking for help in the first, first place, place. Yeah, to have more understanding. And of course, that's a lifelong process. But you know, in, in the midst of something good happening here in Acts 10, there's always a people that want to criticize Peter. Yeah. And that's, that's how it works, and that's how the narrative rolls into chapter 11. It says, as the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea, um, the, the Jewish believers, not the Gentiles, the Jewish believers criticized him. Yeah. They criticized him. They criticized God's blessing. It says, you entered the home. I like what it says in verse 3. Yeah. You entered the home of the Gentiles and even ate with them. That's what Indeed. my NLT says, yeah. they said. And you even ate with them. It's one yeah. thing to enter them, but you ate with them? Yeah. Well, you went, you went to uncircumcised <laughs> men. You know, and you, that and circumcision you, was really a big deal to them back then. <laughs> Part of that proselytizing yeah. uh, process, and uh, um, much easier for a woman, I guess, to uh, mm. convert to Judaism than Do for a man, man. I guess maybe so. But <laughs> but then Peter says, "Okay, let me explain to you what happened." Yeah. And as and I like what happens because as Peter explained to them what happens, and he explains his dream and his vision, he recounts it again. I think he recounts his vision like three times in chapters ten, eleven, mm. uh, three different times. So it, it, obviously, it affected him. And um, he explains it, and um, what happens is, as a result, it says, when the others heard this, if you go down to verse 18, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. He Mm -hmm. said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. So up until Mm -hmm. this point, you have to get this, up until this point, most of the apostles in the church felt like the gospel was only for the Jewish people. Wasn't yeah. for the Gentiles. Well, Peter was big on that. Well, was, I think uh, Paul and Peter actually had a little conversation about that—a <laughs> very yeah, yeah, detailed yeah. and, and at least, heated conversation. At least that was the main consensus. And again, Acts is a book of transitions; it's slowly mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. But they thought that Jesus, because he was Jewish, mm-hmm. it's a Jewish gospel. It's for the Jewish people. It's not for people who are not Jewish. It's not for the Gentiles. It's for the Jewish people. Of course, we know that Christ died for all, um, and you know we understand that. But initially, again, they thought it was because they were thinking that this Christianity and Judaism um, were two separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, because remember, the religious leaders didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They were denying him. They said, no, he wasn't the Messiah. We're still waiting for them. Even today, Even they today. still wait right. for him to come. Right. They're still waiting for him to come. But the Christians... Uh, we call we say Christians because they're Christ followers. The Christians they believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and what the Christians were trying to say is that look, this is you know the the we have Jewish roots. Christianity has Jewish roots. It's connected all the way back to the same story in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis chapter three, that plan of redemption, and through the nation of Israel, 
God will yeah. bless all nations. all nations. But, you know, the nation of Israel didn't yeah. really... They didn't take up the responsibility that God wanted them to take. Right, and it doesn't mean God forgot them or God doesn't have a plan for them. He does because, hello, they're it's, still in existence today. Right. <laughs> he still has a plan for them. But for right now, the progress and the message of the gospel has got to get out. It cannot stay with the Jewish people. It's got to get out to the rest of the world. And if the Jewish people have stopped and trying to push it out, then it's got to go. It's got to go out some other way, and that's why, mm-hmm. you know, the text kind of shifts a little bit here, and the gospel starts pushing more out to the Gentiles, and what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, I really like this. Is probably one of my favorite passages in the Book of Acts because it's a passage that, um, verse nineteen of chapter eleven. It's it's what I call a section about the mm-hmm. anonymous believers. You know, there's a lots of names in the Book of Acts: characters, movers, shakers. Guys mm-hmm. that are influential. Barnabas, one of my favorite ones. Yeah. He's, a, he's there. Um, and all these names. And then you come to a place like Acts eleven nineteen. It just shows you who was really doing the work behind mm-hmm. the scenes. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far north as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word, but only to Jews. However, some of those believers went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, began to preach to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Did you see that carefully? Mm -hmm. So when the church had scattered back after the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 8, there was a group of Christians in Jerusalem who left, and they left immediately, and they were already beginning to take the gospel to the Gentiles, probably long before Peter, Peter. ever had his vision here. Yeah. We call Peter the apostle to the... Um, uh, we, well, we call Peter, Peter the, apostle the apostle to the, to the Gentiles, Gentiles because he started yeah. to the Gentiles. Well, I think Pastor mentioned that in his sermon there Sunday. He said he was the key that unlocked the door yeah. to the Gentiles. Yeah. And then, of course, Paul walked through the door and took it further. Right. And it's almost like these early Christians were the ones who made the key yeah. <laughs> to well, get I mean, to the door. When you read First Peter and you go to First Peter, yeah. the very first verse he talks about, he's writing to those who are scattered, the exiles mm-hmm. in Pontus and Galatia and Bithynia and, and all these places, uh, yeah. the ones that have been scattered. And it's interesting that we find that when Peter wrote that, that's a, of course, that's a letter. It's an epistle. It's right. a, and we we love following those letters. But unlike Paul, Paul he wrote his letters, his epistles to churches. Specific, yeah. Peter didn't. Right. He wrote that to several, several places, just to the scattered, those who were scattered. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, in, and his his letter was a letter of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul was always kind of addressing some issues in the churches that he had established. <laughs> I think Peter wouldn't stay away from controversy. Yeah, I think man. he's at enough in his life. He's like, okay, I just need to encourage these people. And, of course, when he wrote First Peter, you know, the Christians were in the midst of horrible persecution under Nero, and so they needed encouragement. Oh, they needed encouragement. How do I live in, in, in the midst of this tumultuous time? How, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to you know, live a life as a believer. And Peter gives him lots of encouragement, practical advice too, mm-hmm. encouragement. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think he stays away from some of those controversies, controversies that Paul wanted for some reason to be in the middle of. He took them head on a lot of uh-huh. times. And, you know, uh, God had that God had that all planned out. I mean, Paul was the one to do that. And he was the one who had that ability yeah. uh, to do that and to correct some of those things mm-hmm. um, as he became uh, 
you know, as he matured and became stronger and stronger in his faith. But I love what it says. It says that these anonymous believers were already there. Mm-hmm. And it says, when the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, who did they sent? Well, here's the fellow again, Barnabas. Barnabas. He was one of the key to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. And many people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas says, okay, I got to go get my friend. Mm-hmm. I got to go find remember Saul. Because remember, Saul had been thrown into Tarsus. Said, they said, go back to your hometown. You're causing too much your presence here is causing too much, um, uh, too many problems. People are not sure about you. And so this is both of them for, stayed there for a full year teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch where believers were first called Christians. Christians. And that's the place. And I think that was first given as almost a derogatory term. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're Christ followers. You're followers of that false Jesus, that false Messiah, yeah. they would say. Christian, yeah. Yeah, you're a Christian. It was kind of a derogatory term. We... Take it. They took it, I think, as a as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. um, and even we do today. We do today because it's the same thing. Because obviously, Christ and Christmas have Christ in it. And Christians mm-hmm. as well. So the 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 church at Antioch now becomes kind of the main focus. The focus is kind of taken off a little bit now for the church at Jerusalem, and it's pushing more towards the church at Antioch. Now the mm-hmm. church at Jerusalem will come back. We don't get to that reading in Acts chapter 15, but the focus is towards Antioch now and what God's going to do through the church at Antioch. And so at the church of Antioch, um, they start sending relief to the church of Jerusalem. So they start Mm -hmm. acting like the church of today acts like. They start sending um, uh, relief because of a famine that was happening here. Mm -hmm. You'd think that the Jerusalem church would be the one sending yeah. out everything yeah. because they have the most means. You mean they start acting like Christians? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Supposed to act. Yeah. Yep. And when Antioch <laughs> left, it says they entrusted their gift of Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Yeah. So again, you know, Saul and Barnabas here back and forth are big linchpins, big connecting points between the church at Antioch, which is in the north, and the church um, of Jerusalem, which is in the south. By the way, uh, the name Antioch, that... That's named for, uh, in Syria, that's named for Antiochus Epiphanes. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Antiochus, yeah. And Antiochus Epiphanes was not, not a good a fellow. Good fellow. No. He persecuted and killed thousands of Jewish people. If you read your history books between the intertestamental mm-hmm. time, and I think it's interesting that that's the place where the... Uh, first missionary journey starts from, from Antioch. It mm-hmm. doesn't start from Jerusalem. It starts from the very place. You know, God can take something that's horrible, horrible. associated mm-hmm. with a person that's it's, it's horrible and disgusting and use it for His glory, just like He did with Saul, mm-hmm. just like He did and changed His thinking. Um, well, persecution doesn't stop. The church is still... The church is still being criticized, even though not being criticized from within. Now they're being criticized from... Um, from without, more yeah. persecution. Into chapter 12, you come oh, to yeah. James is killed. This is James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee. Um, not, there's like three or four James, James, and we get them all confused all the time. Yeah. Even we preachers get them confused. <laughs> we can't keep them up. So sometimes I put little notes. Mine has in parentheses John's brother, uh, so we know here. And he was killed by a sword. So he's the first apostle that's, that's, that's uh, martyred. Um, and it's quick, just yeah. like... And by doing that, it says that the Jewish people, this pleased the yeah. Jewish people. No, yeah, they like that. Wow. Think about how far along, think about how the hatred and the, I don't know, the um, just feelings of despisement towards the Jewish people. They mm. like the fact that John, that Herod got rid of John. So there probably was a faction 
of Jewish people who didn't like this Christian oh, movement. Absolutely. They were mm -hmm. a faction probably associated with the religious leaders. Mm -hmm. And so when Herod heard this happen, here comes Peter again. They say, okay, well then let's take care of Peter too. Yeah. And they put Peter in prison, wanting to deal with him the next day. And that's where the prison escape happens for yeah. Peter. I think for a second time. The great escape. Um, the great escape. <laughs> and I like how, you know, he's here. And, and look what it says. It says in verse 6, it says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Yeah. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. I mean, the next day he could go to the chopping block and get his head lopped off. But what's he doing? Well, he's just sleeping. He's tired. <laughs> Well, you he want to be no well worries. rested before you lose your head. <laughs> it just goes to show you he has no worries, and he understands that his life and destiny are in the hands of God. And I believe we understand that as well, but sometimes our lives don't necessarily yeah. act like it. It doesn't mean you're supposed to go and step in front of an 18-wheeler no. on the interstate. I mean, God expects you to use your brain, but um, have to understand that, you know, what does it say in Hebrews? Is appointed unto man wants, wants to, to die, die and yeah. after that to judgment. Yeah. That's true. We yeah. all have an appointment. Yep, absolutely. You know, we we see a lot of fear in our world today, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, fear over coronavirus and and fear of uh, the world issues and the things that are going on. And and uh, of course, the church we kind of we kind of look at the fact that uh, uh, the end is coming. We know that Christ is coming. And as we look at the events that are taking place, we say, well, how much longer is it going to be? And we, we don't feel that it's going to be that much longer. Yeah. And, uh, but we don't need to live in fear, you know. And uh, uh, I'm like Peter. I go to bed at night, and Deb says, well, before your head hits a pillow, you're sleeping. <laughs> said, I'm the well, same way. I said, hey, I said, what have, what have I got to worry about? I'm the same way. I'm falling asleep in my chair before I even get up to the bed. Well, I, I do that. I did that last night. Deb says, what are you doing? You getting up to go to bed? I say, yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and again, it's not that we don't have worries or things to think about or things on our mind. They are, they're there, and, there. And, and obviously God puts them there for us to think about and talk to Him about. Um, but you can't let it control. You can't let it control uh, everything about you. And I, and I understand sometimes people, there are medical reasons and chemical mm -hmm. imbalances sure. and different things like that that need to be addressed. And thankfully, God has uh, made mm -hmm. medicine Provided. advancements and everything to handle that. Um, but just a classic example, and what do you think Peter would be doing? I don't think Peter would be doing anything else but sleeping. I mean, that's just who I think Peter is. He's well, what's he going like, to do? He's, yeah. already, he's tied up between two. <laughs> yeah. two so, I mean, what like are you going to do? Down to earth. Might as well as rest. You yeah. know? <laughs> he's not trying to go about and do anything. It's kind of different uh, with Paul. Paul was in chains, but he was trying to minister and talk to the people. Of course, he was in chains for a lot longer of a period mm -hmm. of time. But here is, 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 is Peter just asleep. Mm -hmm. And the angel has to kind of, as an angel comes and releases him, yeah. it's kind of got to shake him up and kind of coach him as to how to get dressed. Okay, Peter, get your sandals on. Okay, get your cloak on. Yeah. Okay, follow me outside the door because Peter thinks he's in a vision. And rightly so. Peter's had some weird visions, right? Yeah, he's yeah, had he the is. vision of the seat. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's had that. Yeah. And that happened three times. So he's kind of, you know, out of it. Yeah. And he finally gets to the street and he realizes what God has done. Yeah, it's when the angel left him and he's standing there. And now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so he finally comes to his senses almost, mm -hmm. and, and he realized what is done. And the, the ironic thing is that the ne very next thing is he goes to the house where there is a group of Christians praying for his release. And he goes to the house, and this girl named Rhoda, she enters the door. I'm sorry, there's a blonde joke here. 
somewhere in the text <laughs> where Rhoda goes to the door and Rhoda um, realizes it's Peter knocking at the door. She's oh, it's Peter. We've been praying for your release, Peter. Okay. And instead of letting Peter in, Rhoda just shuts the door right in Peter's face, leaves him out on the doorstep and goes back inside to the house and tells everybody. And all the, the those who are praying, they're like, oh no, Rhoda, I think you've had too much pizza last night at the meal. I think you're dreaming. I don't, I think it's, uh, you know, his angel, as if they thought that maybe he had resurrected. And it was like a Jesus, like a resurrection <laughs> appearance, like Jesus had or something. Um, and they said, no, no. And, and, and while, what, while, while Peter's still, just still knocking, still knocking, they finally realize what's done. Here's the church who's praying for Peter's release. God answers the request with Peter knocking on the door to get in, and the church doesn't want to believe it at yep. the beginning. The church is like, no, 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 that's not him. God couldn't have answered the request that way or that quickly. It's almost like yeah. they were saying. Yeah. It's like they're a Christian atheist. You believe in God answer <laughs> prayer, but you act like he doesn't. And so it's just a, it's a classic story and a story that you would want to associate with Peter anyway, just because of how it, there's ironic twists in it all the yeah. way and just some, com- some comedy here. But it just goes to show you too that you know, the early church is no different than what we do sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. When we pray and ask God for something, then we get a phone call about it and we're like dumbfounded. Like, well, God answered the prayer. Yeah. Well, what do you expect? No, oh, you're praying for somebody to be saved and everything, and all at once they give their heart to the Lord. No, I can't believe that. No, <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't want to believe what? it. Yeah, especially if you've been praying for it for a long, long time. Yeah, and all of a sudden it happens, you're like, no, 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 that's not real. That's not real. <laughs> and God's saying, yes, it is, and I just provided it for you. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think sometimes we don't go into prayer with anticipation, and we need to enter prayer more with anticipation. Anticipation. Anticipate what God's going to do. It may not what He's going to do that day, but it might be that week, that month, that year, or in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And believe that anticipation is a believing. You go into prayer believing that God's going to answer your request according to His will. He may not answer it because it might not be according to us well, but you're at least your desire, your anticipation is to go in with that in mind. That's your that's your desire, that's your wish, that's your hope. Um, and and that's what they were waiting for. They yeah. were hoping that God would do that, and God did it. He did it, and God did it. And uh, it, it and what happens here though, uh, and kind of in a in a not in a um, in a bold way, but in a very quiet way, he says. Um, in verse 17, Peter says he motions for them to be quiet and told them what the Lord had done and how he let them out of prison. He says, tell James, different James, not the mm-hmm. one who was killed, different James, tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. place. And then Peter leaves the book of Acts. We don't see him yeah. any other time in the book of Acts. Um, and it doesn't mean he leaves and went to another place like he went to heaven. Some people think that's what that says because it's similar to what no. Jesus says in John 14. Um, he leaps. And we don't really come into contact with Peter until later on when he asks them discussions with Paul mm-hmm. um, from the book of Galatians. We can extract some time. And uh, when he writes um, his two epistles, First and Second yeah. Peter, yeah. later on in his life. So there, there's a big gap here, and he kind of disappears off the, off the stage um, of Scripture. And uh, uh, he kind of leaves us, at least for a while. Um, of course, uh, the narrative goes back to Herod, and he's upset because oh boy. Peter has been freed and yeah. gone. I mean, not only was he, well, not only was he uh, broken out of prison, the angel did, but now, I mean, that happened at night. Now he's gone. He left town. Yeah, and they, I would have left town, too. I wouldn't have uh, been anywhere near that. He's thinking, maybe i got to get out of Jerusalem. i got to get out. And he now, leaves. Now we know why he was sleeping. <laughs> 
Probably so. He, he, he needed rest. to rest so he could he could <laughs> get going, going down the road. Yeah. So Harry wasn't Harry. happy, um, and so he has all sixteen uh, or all the whole cohort there of guards killed. Killed. Um, um, and then I think it's ironic that God turns the tables here and mm-hmm. says, "You martyred one of my people. You martyred John. John. You tried to imprison Peter. Now God says, Herod, your time is up." I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And it's that idea of, of leaving the vengeance, leaving the judgment in the hands of God. Because the early church didn't pray for, or it didn't seem like they did, pray for or pray against the leaders, saying, oh, tear them down, oh, give them a bad day, oh, kill them, Lord. Yeah. No, they prayed for, it says specifically, they prayed for more boldness in getting the message out. Mm-hmm. Because they knew part of getting the message out, meaning they were going to spread the gospel, and they knew that they were going to get persecuted. They knew that they would suffer for the cause of Christ. It was just part of it. It's how God ordained it and planned it from the beginning. Yeah. And they were okay with it. They didn't go seeking after it. No. They didn't go knocking on the door yeah. and saying, hey, I want some of that today. Oh, no, 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 no. And we don't do that either. I hope you don't do that either. But when it happens, they have to submit to it and be willing to accept it. But then here, God steps in and takes care of things for He vindicates. Um, well, He's preparing more of the way. He's, True. Yeah. He's getting Herod out of the Herod's way. Herod's out of the way. Get him out of the way. Yeah. He, let's go on with the. With the gospel and with the message of... And boy, he died in, in a bad way, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Not a good way. Died in a bad way. It says uh, with worms mm-hmm. and uh, consumed with worms and died. Mm. Not, a, not a good way to go. Anyway, it says in verse 24, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. And then it shifts back to Barnabas and Saul. And when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned taking... Here's a new character, John, John Mark, Mark with him. The same mm-hmm. John Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mark. Um, he shows up with them. And then it begins, as we end for the week um, in chapter 13, um, they begin to send off, get prepared Here. for this first missionary journey. Mm-hmm. Um, a journey that will be exclusively, I don't want to say exclusively, but mainly towards, towards the, the Gentiles. Gentiles. However, remember Paul's strategy? He mm-hmm. always goes to the, to the synagogue, synagogue first. He always goes to the Jewish people first. Yeah. Even in all his missionary journeys, that's always his policy and his strategy. The first place he goes is to the synagogues because he wants to make sure that they have mm-hmm. the gospel message. And then if they don't accept or reject, then he goes mm-hmm. right to the Gentiles. To the Jews and to the Greeks. Yeah, and, and, and God is going to plan. And yeah. if you read the rest of the book of Acts, you know that um, Saul or Paul, same name. Um, it, literally, it is the same name. One is his uh, Roman name, one is his Jewish name. Uh, they're the same name. So it's okay if you say Saul Paul like I do all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's going to stand before kings and before rulers and before Caesar himself mm-hmm. and, and give the gospel. So God has a plan for him. So you can have fun reading the rest of the book of Acts. Yes. Was there anything yeah. you want to add to here towards the end, Brother Bill, about Peter? Um, you know, he's a great because he's been the main character here. In, uh, in our discussion. I think it's interesting how we see that Peter was, the, he was the real main character, even as the uh, as he walked with Jesus. Yeah. He was always the one who was bold and out front and always, and now then we see that he's kind of declining and Paul stepping into yeah, it. Yeah. It's almost as if he's, he's um, uh, maturing maybe yeah. a little more, or he's understanding that, hey, my time is to step aside now and let yeah. this other leader come in. 
and and be the main player yeah. as God's plan. Absolutely. It doesn't mean he disappears. It just means that from our text and from what we know in the New Testament, he kind of mm. goes off the scene. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he needs some rest. <laughs> he likes to sleep. It's obvious in, <laughs> <laughs> in the imprisonment. <laughs> All right, well, that's all the time that we have for, um, for this week. So I hope you enjoyed the reading. Next week, um, or yeah, the following week, we'll start with Jesus, the miracle worker. Um, that's the first week of May, I think May the 2nd through the, um, through the 9th. Uh, we'll talk about the miracles that Jesus did. And then that rolls right into a study in the book of Joshua. And we'll read through, not all of Joshua, but we'll read through the majority of Joshua. And so we'll go to an Old Testament book this time and study through that because there's lots of good things in the book of Joshua that we can learn as well. So that's all for this week. Um, So we'll see you guys next time.